Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. All right, we're in our series together tonight called The Life of David. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 21, um, The Life of David. And we're learning what made David, the greatest king in Israel's history, a man after God's heart, and the family line that brought Jesus into the world. And this is a big sort of uh, a resume for a person, greatest king in Israel's history, a person that God says he is a, he is a person after my heart, and then ultimately through his lineage, King Jesus, the Messiah, Savior of the world, would come into the world. And so we've learned from his life sort of the key that made him successful, um, Some of the things we've learned so far is that we need to be able to be alone with God. You need to be able to be alone with God. It's not about all the other stuff. It's not about who sees you. It's about you and Jesus. We also learned we need to have radical faith in God. Even when things seem impossible or the challenge and the opposition is overwhelming, God is bigger than those things. And then we need godly friends around us. We learn from the life of David and his best friend Jonathan how important that is in walking with God. And then last week we learned that we must trust the promises of God. And tonight we're going to see really the first mistake in the life of King David. Now, this is not his only mistake. We're going to learn more about his story and sort of the ups and downs that he has. But this is sort of the first mistake in the life of King David. And difficulty brings about fear, and fear leads him to failure. Fear leads him to failure. And we're going to talk about this idea tonight. What do you do when you're afraid? What do you do, or more specifically, where do you go when you are afraid? All right, 1 Samuel 21, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's only 15 verses, but the story is really interesting, so follow along. Sound good? You guys with me? Happy? Give, Give out like a whoop whoop if you're excited to be here. Yeah, come on. All right, let's go. Let's get the blood flowing a little bit. All right, David went to Nob. Somebody say Nob. To Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him, and he asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king sent me on a mission and said to me, Like, I imagine it's like, (laughs) this is like one of those scenes where it's like, I'm on a very special assignment. Like, shh, don't tell anyone. It's for you, okay? You and me. You're the only ones that know. Special assignment from the king. Can you imagine? It's like all awkward and serious. No one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. As for my men, I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread. I'm trying to get out of that voice I started. Um, Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered, David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. And David replied, indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy, uh, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? That's an interesting verse. I didn't notice that when I was studying. Verse 6. So the priest gave him the consecrated bread. Since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day. Hot bread? Oh, man. (laughs) This is rough. I'm so sorry. You guys ever been to Panera? Anyways. Um, (laughs) Replaced by hot bread. (laughs) That that was so funny. (laughs) 
All right. Verse 7. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. And David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath to the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no, no sword here but that one. David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. David, uh, sorry, my notes got super weird. Are the verses on the screen that David, okay, went to Achish, king of Gath. Next verse. But the servants of Achish said to him, isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in, in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. And Achish said to his servants, look at that man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Question mark. End of chapter. End of story. Um, all right. Context. Let's talk about what's happening. Now remember, David is running from King Saul. King Saul is the current king in Israel. His son is David's best friend, Jonathan. And now David has been told, you are going to be the king of Israel. Now Saul doesn't like David for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is this song that's mentioned. This song that Saul has killed his thousands. In other words, he's a great man of war. He's victorious. He's seen battle and he's seen victory. But David... Man, that guy's killed tens of thousands. So he's the even greater hero, even greater victor in battle. And so Saul doesn't like that. And so he makes it his goal to kill David. And so David, he runs. He runs from Saul. Remember, we have the story of the arrows. We looked at it last week. David runs from Saul, and now he is on the run. And for the next several years of his life, we're sort of entering this running season for David. That we early meet his sort of like obscure shepherd boy. Then everything's going his way. He's killing Goliath. He's working in the palace. He's marrying the king's daughter. He's best friends with the king's son. Everything's going the way of David. And then harsh change. Everything changes in a moment. And now we're entering into David on the run. And we talked about how for this season, Saul is chasing David to chase the Saul out of David. In other words, God wants David to be a person and that's different as a king than Saul was. And so in order for David to be the person that God wanted him to be, he needed to learn patience and waiting on the timing of God. And so now he's in the season of running from David. So David, we're told, runs to the tabernacle. And this is where God's presence dwelt. This is a great choice for him to run to. He then eats the showbread or the bread that was set out for the presence, we're told. It's an interesting story because Jesus actually references this story. And he uses it to show that people's needs are more important than human tradition. So that people's needs, like that, that, that people that are hungry or people that are in need are more important than some religious tradition that you feel like you have to follow. 
And Jesus uses this story to sort of exempt the people from uh, uh, traditionally and rigorously following the Sabbath. Jesus says that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, it's God's gift to man. It's not something that you have to religiously and rigorously obey. So then David gets spooked. He's afraid because this guy Dog or Doeg or however you say his name is there. He gets spooked and he runs from the tabernacle and he goes to Gath and he acts like a crazy person. And then David runs from there and ends up living in a cave. Now I want us to use this. We'll talk about the story more as we go. But fear can cause us to do interesting things, doesn't it? Fear can make us do all sorts of strange, confusing, and crazy things. And fear can be caused by anxiety and worry. Fear is caused by threats or mistreatment. Fear can be caused by the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm afraid. Fear can be caused by failure. I tried and I failed and I don't want to do that again. All sorts of things cause us to feel fear. I don't want to, I can't, I can't do that, I'm afraid, I can't get in front of people, I can't invite them, or I can't do that because I'm going to fail, or, or, or man, you don't know how I'm feeling, I, there's no way I could ever, whatever our excuse is. But fear is inevitable. Fear is, a, fear is sort of a gift from God. Fear a lot, a lot of times makes you go like, hey, that's dangerous, you probably shouldn't do that. Right? Like, the fear is designed by God to make you go like, hey, hello, are you alive? Wake up. That's not good. I'm feeling afraid. Okay, good. It should heighten your awareness, heighten your sensitivity. What's going on around me? Fear is inevitable. The question is not if we fear. The question is what do you do when you're afraid? And really from this story, we see three options of what we can do when we're afraid. Two are wrong, one is almost right. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to see that two are wrong and one is almost right. So where are you going? Where do you run when you're afraid? We're going to see three things. We're going to work backwards in this text. Number one, we run to the enemy. We run to the enemy. David goes to Gath, right? So that's the, where he concludes in this story. Now, Gath is important because it's the hometown of a guy named Goliath. Okay, so David is afraid of Saul in Israel. So he goes, I got an idea. Let's go to Goliath's hometown. Now, this is a bad idea for a couple reasons. One, it's a bad idea because it's Philistine country. And Philistines are like the arch nemesis of the Israelites. Right? Like we already talked about this. The Philistines are like, Israel's the good guy, Philistines are the bad guy. Like you, you just know all of the other, like the Ammonites and the Canaanites and the Amalekites, they like take second place to the Philistines. These are the arch nemesis of the Israelites. So for David to go there, like, number one, these are, this is not where you're supposed to be. But also, David goes to where Goliath was from. And we'll talk about it in a second. He also goes with Goliath's sword. which. But David and, and Goliath, <laughs> Goliath was their hero, Remember? 
Goliath was nine foot tall, like bread for battle from the day he was born. And David, with a sling and a stone, yells at the guy, hurls a rock at him and kills him. And then the Philistines run from the Israelites because their mighty hero has just died. And now David waltzes into town in a gath? It's a bad idea, Dave. This is not smart. This is not a good idea. And David is running from Saul and he thinks that he'll be safer with the Philistines than in Israel. And it takes them all of one verse to figure out it's David. One verse. David's like, all right, I'm going to hide out in Gath. And they're like, aren't you the guy that they sing about? Like, yeah, we heard that song. Saul has killed his thousands. David is tens of thousands. You know that the thousands that they're talking about killing is us? The Philistines? You're David. And David's like, "Uh uh-oh. (laughs) Uh, uh, right he's like what do I do David runs to the enemy and when we are afraid it's easy for us to run to some types of enemies we run to think really this will make us comfortable and so we run to things, and, and, and forgive me, this is harsh to call it the enemy, but I'm just talking about uh, uh, how we view these things. But we can run when we're afraid to our phones. Right? We think, oh, I, I don't know what to do, so I just need to distract myself. I need, to, I need to just check out. I need to just go to YouTube, and I just need to zone out and forget about all the things that are causing me worry. Or we can run to our friends. Hey, 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 you got to help me. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I'm freaking out. You need to be my solution. Or we're afraid, and so we run to something like food, <laughs> more comfort. Like, I just, need a, I just need a whatever. I'm just hungry. I just need to check out. I need to think about other things. You know, we, we run to something like money. Like, oh, if I just had more money, if I just had more stuff, if I just had this, then I would, then I would have my life figured out. And when we're afraid, we run to all sorts of comforts that get us to be distracted from what we're afraid of. And oftentimes that can become very much an enemy. Oftentimes, or or it's been said that busyness and distraction is one of the main enemies of the follower of Jesus. Busyness and distraction. Why? Because God's got a calling on your life. God's got something for you to do. God's got something for you to to, to experience and to walk in and to to, to follow after. And if you're preoccupied with other things, if you're distracted by other things, you can miss out on what God wants to do in your life. Uh, Shane shared with me a quote this week. Um, It says this, that one scientist calculated the numbers numbers and found that a person's uh, odds of being alive is 1 in 10 to the 2,655,000th power. Okay? So 1 in in 10 to the 2 millionth plus power. The scientist explains that these odds, listen to me, pay attention to this for a second. These odds are the same as having a group of 2 million people each roll, listen to me, a trillion-sided dice and every roll landing on the same number. Okay, so the odds of you being alive You being here, living and breathing, you, okay, 
I'm not talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. The odds of you being alive is the equal chance is if we got two million people with a trillion-sided dice, not a, not a six-sided major mega dice, a trillion-sided dice. We all rolled, all two million people, and we all landed on the same side. That's the odd of you, odds of you being alive. And yet, we don't realize that God's placed us here on purpose, for a purpose. And rather than walking in the calling that God has for our life, we run from it and we distract ourselves with other things. And the enemy of the Christian soul, the enemy of your calling is distraction so often. Where you're running around hiding from the very thing that you're called into. Are you running to the enemy? Are you running to distraction? Are you running to things that are going to keep you from walking out what God has called you to do? The second thing that we can run to is not to the enemy, but we run to ourselves. David acts crazy in Gath, right? They start like, hey, David, did, we heard that song. Saul has killed thousands, David's dens at that, however it went. I just made that up. Right? And David's like, uh, no, it's not. And then what does he do? He starts scratching at the door like a dog. And he starts drooling all over his face. So spit is dripping down his beard. And then I love the king's reaction. He's like, man, I got enough crazy people around here. <laughs> He's like, I don't need another one. I love that. He's like, really? Am I short on mad men? No, I got plenty. Get this guy out of here. David, in his fear, thinks, uh, what can I come up with? How can I get myself out of this? What will my imagination take me to? He, re he relies on his own imagination to get him out of trouble. And many people do things like this. We don't feel like we're special or called. We don't feel like it's unique for us to be here. And so we make up either a situation or a problem to make others think that we're special. Man, I don't have a unique story or I don't have something going for me. And so I need to come up with what's my angle? What's my thing that when I walk into a room, people might think that I'm unique? Maybe it's, maybe it's how I dress, or maybe I've got to change some thing about my, i got to change my name, or i got to change my, my identity, or i got to change my sexuality, or i got to change something that, that makes me feel special so other people will see me and hear me. And so, so often we think, okay, what can I come up with? Where at my own imagination can I come up with some idea that will make me feel unique and special? We're also told that David goes to Gath carrying the sword of Goliath. Now, you got to be pretty stupid and desperate to do that. David thinks he can walk into Gath with Goliath's sword as the greatest soldier in Israel and not get noticed. But... I'm sure he's thinking that because he has Goliath's sword, he can defend himself. Right? He's like, no, I'm fine. I defeated Goliath once. Now I got a sword. I can defeat anybody that comes after me. David, in his own imagination, relying on himself, says, I'm going to rely on victory from the past to give me victory for today. He said, oh, I already beat Goliath. I've got a sword now. And because I've got a sword, I can face anything that comes against me. He doesn't realize that it was actually God that defeated Goliath. Goliath's sword didn't do anything for Goliath. So why would David think that Goliath's sword's going to do anything for him? He thinks that he's 
He can come up with the own answers. And when we're afraid, we rely on ourselves. We think we can solve it. We're strong enough. We've made it this far. I can figure out the answer. And then the final place we can run to when we're afraid. One is to the enemy. Two is to ourselves. Number three is we can run to God. Now the first place that David went to was the only place he needed to go. But, this is important, David went the wrong way. Now David went to the tabernacle. This is where God's presence was. This is, this is a perfect place. God gave him a promise, right? You're going to be the king. All of a sudden, he's being persecuted by King Saul. Wait, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go, but I know there's a promise from God, and so I'm going to go to the presence of God. Perfect. That's a great answer. That's where you should go. When things are difficult, when things are hard, you rely on the promises of God, and you get in the presence of God. When things are hard, and you're like, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm afraid, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know my calling, I don't know my purpose, rely on the presence of God, and the promises of God. But David, he, he goes to the presence of God, but he goes the wrong way. He didn't go looking for God. Listen to me. He went looking to get something from God. And this is often how we can approach God. We don't want him. I don't want, I don't want just God. I want what I can get from God. I've had conversations with people where they, they, they've expressed to me their, their difficulty or their challenge or their temptation. And I'm like, awesome, let's pray together. And after we pray, they're like, okay, anything else? What else are we going to do? How are you going to help me? How are we going to change this? Okay, thanks for your prayer. That was nice and sweet and all, but what are we actually going to do? Because I need answers. I need a solution. I need my problem solved. Not realizing that, hey, listen, God is the one with the answers. It's not me. <laughs> if you come and talk to me, I can listen to you. I can pray for you, but that's about it. I'll encourage you. But I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions. I don't have it all together. Man, I need you to be praying for me. I need help. <laughs> I don't have the answers. And yet so often we don't come for God, we come for what we can get from God. We want peace, we want purpose, we want power, we want all these things when we simply need the person and the presence. So we need to run to God. So how do we do it right? How do we run to God right? And I'll invite the worship team up and I'm going to close with this. Number one, how we do it right is we go where God is. Okay, how do you run to God? Because that's like a, we sang about it. We're, I, I share with the worship team uh, tonight that we picked that song. We haven't sung that song in years around here. We picked that song last week before I started studying. And then I, it wasn't until we were at band practice tonight that I realized, like, that's my last point, the hook of this song. Man, that's so, it's, it's what we need. We need it. We need to, I'm going to run to God. He's my solution. But it, it sounds good, but how do we do that? Because it's not like God, we can find God, like, okay, he's in the parking lot. Like, come on, guys. What, what, what does that mean? How do we run to God? Well, you run to God by going where God is. Right? You're not going to find God if you're not going to where God is. Right now, okay, all the, all the smart kids in the room are like, God's everywhere. I'm like, yeah, I know. I get it. 
But what I'm saying is you find solution, you find the presence of God where God promises to be. Can I tell you, he promises that you will find him if you open up the Bible and read it. If you go to God's word, you will find him. He'll speak to your life. You find God when you're in a setting like this. Right? When we we say, okay, the church is going to gather and Jesus promises that when we gather in his name, he is in our midst. And God's going to do something miraculous and unique and special as we get together as the church. So I'm going to be in church. You want to run to God, go where God is. Number two, you got to do what God says. Right? When, when, if we want to do what, if we want to run to God, we've got to go to where he is, but then we also have to obey. We have to listen and obey. One of the problems with David, as soon as he showed up to the tabernacle, he starts lying. Right? He shows up to the tabernacle and he's like, hey, David, what are you doing here? Why are you alone? He's like, oh, man, I'm on a very important mission. Uh, the king sent me out here, and I don't have any of my stuff, no soldiers, no sword, no nothing, because it was so urgent. I just had to do what the king told me to do. And the guy's like, oh, man, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, I don't even have any food. Do you have any food? He's like, I just have the, the showbread. You can, you're welcome to eat it. And I, lo- I love that that guy offers him the showbread right away. He's like, this is, this is a bread that we just set out for to, to sort of uh, 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 resemble or to sort of symbolize communion with God. And usually we just cook it each day, we bake it each day, and then once it gets cold, we throw it away and we bake them new ones. But there's some of the old ones, you, you can eat it, the bread of the presence. And David's like, all right, I'll, I'll take that. But immediately David's lying, right? David's manipulating. David's not being honest. I wonder if he would have walked into that scene and he was like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm at the end of myself. And I thought God told me I was going to be the king. Samuel anointed me. Now Saul's trying to kill me and I just don't have anywhere else to go. And so I'm here. What, what, what should I do? I wonder what the conversations with the high priest would have been like if, if that was the case. I wonder what, what Ahimelech would have pronounced over David's life. <laughs> One of the encouragement he would have given him. But instead, David lying and manipulating and trying to do his own thing. He has to run out of there, goes to Gath, ends up drooling on himself. If we got to go to God, but we got to do what God says. We can't come in and be like, I'm just going to do whatever I want and think, okay, I'm in the right place. Then God's going to fix all my problems. No, David had to come the right way. And then the third thing, this is the, my, word, my least favorite one, is we got to wait. When you run to God, you got to be ready to wait. Sometimes we want the answers, not sometimes, most of the time, all the time, we want the answers right now. We want it yesterday. God, where were you? We needed it yesterday. When we go to God, we have to be willing to wait, to trust in him, to allow him to work in the way that he's going to work. And for David, it's just getting started. He's going to wait a long time. Shane's going to teach next week about David's life in the cave. For years, David would live in a cave, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. But just because he had to wait doesn't mean the promise wasn't coming. Let me encourage you tonight. When you're afraid, run to God. When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling anxious, when you don't have the answers, run to God. And you run to God by going where God is. You go there with the right intentions, with the right heart, with the right attitude. And then when God speaks, you do what he says. And then you just wait. You trust that God's going to give you strength. 
And listen to me, this is, this is important when we talk about fear. Because fear and faith don't cross each other out. Okay, it's not like, oh no, I'm afraid, now I'm not living in faith. No, no, no. Faith and fear often go hand in hand. Most of the time when you're stepping out in faith, doing what God wants you to do, you're probably shaking as you do it. Right? Imagine the first time you invite a friend to church. Think of your voice or uh, the text you're going to send. You delete it 30 times. Like, how am I supposed to say this? Afraid. And then you hit send. God, do something with this text. Fear, but faith is mixed in it. The first time you, you, you pray over a friend who's going through something difficult. Hey, can I pray for you? Sure. Um, okay. Uh, God, um, help this. Right? We're afraid. And yet we go for it. We take that step of faith. And then we, we made that prayer or we sent that text and, and we trust. Okay, God, it's, your, it, it, it's up to you now. I can't do it, but I can take that step of faith and trust that as I take that step of faith, God's going to do what only he can do. So listen, when you're afraid, run to God, wait on God, trust in God, because the Bible says that those who wait on God will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. You find strength as you wait on God. And even when you're afraid, you can find opportunity and favor from God to do what he's called you to do.